Three weeks ago, um, we started this vision series called The Call. <clears throat> and, and I said three weeks ago, because quite often each time a, a pastor gets up and says, oh, we're going to do a vision series, it's almost like, oh, so what's new? Well, I just want to tell you this, nothing. Nothing's new, because actually God wrote the Bible, it hasn't changed. The call hasn't changed since he sent us. And, and so our vision mission statement, which is up on the wall there, bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world, that hasn't changed, and it's not going to. But the whole purpose of this three-part series was a fresh look at, and I hope an eye-opening thing for, for many people. My purpose and my hope was to help you see that God has got a call for each and every one of you, and in that, there are three parts to that call. First part is to know Him personally. The second, to make him known out in our world. And the third part is to serve him in the church, not as pastors, but as disciples, being involved in discipling others. I believe the call that God gives us can be described this way. A calling is a vocation or a way of life that comes from God. It is a path to serve others that is right, and it is aligned with God's purposes and your values and abilities. Because our hearts, our values, line up with God's. And so week one, we looked at us as individuals. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And then last week, we looked at what, what we do with that purpose. And that was to go out into all the world. And so today, as we close out this series, as Amber has already indicated, we're going to, go, we're going to look at what to do and where to grow, where that growth starts for that purpose. And so this morning's message is called Salt and Light make disciples. So before we go anywhere else, can we just pray? Just set this, this aside, this time aside. We've spent time soaking in his presence. And so, you know, our, our inner being has been refreshed. Our inner being is in the presence of God. But I pray each time when I preach, because our hearts are there. Now let's take our minds there. Father, Lord, we bring our minds to you. We, we bring our intellect to you. You call us and you ask us to give you our hearts but Lord, in this time, we want to also place our minds before you, like it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, to be renewed, by the, to, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Lord, that renewing comes as we soak in your word. And, and so we ask, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth and revelation. So come this morning as we bring our minds before you, renew our thinking, transform our understanding, grow us in our knowledge, and let it sink and become wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Matthew 28, verse 19, which has already been quoted by Amber, who hasn't seen my notes, by the way, unless she stole a copy from the resource table. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. I want, to, um, I want to bring a, a bit of a short story just to help lay a foundation for where I really want to go with this morning's message. And it goes like this. There was a farmer who grew excellent quality corn, and every year he won the award for the best grown corn at the county festival. One year, a newspaper reporter interviewed him and learned something quite interesting and very intriguing about how he grew his corn. The reporter discovered that the farmer shared his seed with his neighbors. 
This puzzled the reporter intensely. How can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they too are entering their corn into the competition that you are in every year? The reporter asked. The farmer replied, why, sir, didn't you know? The wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it from field to field. If my neighbors grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I am going to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors grow good corn. You know what? It's exactly the same with our lives and with our faith. Those who want to live meaningfully and well must help enrich the lives of others. For the welfare of each other is bound up in the welfare of all. What does the scripture say? That we are all parts of one body. And if one part celebrates, we all get to join that celebration. But if one part hurts, we all feel that pain. James Keller There's a very famous quote that says this, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. I need you to think about that. In this dog-eat-dog ladder-climbing world, a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. So today, we're looking at salt and light, making disciples. And if there is a best place for people to know God, to find freedom to discover purpose and make a difference. Do those four statements ring with anybody? To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Who doesn't know where those four statements come from? Not a single one of you. Pam, I don't know if you're going to have anyone for growth track today. (laughs) Those are the four core statements of our growth track that we run once a term here. But if there is the best place for people to know those four things... It's actually in the church. Discipleship is at the center of Christian life. To be a disciple means to be a learner. To be a discipler is to help someone grow and help them grow in their learning and in their Christian faith and to grow and become more like Jesus. But you see, the command to make disciples means following after Jesus and patterning our life after his and helping others do the same. We never stop being disciples. The starting point of being disciples is literally following Jesus, acknowledging him as the Lord and Savior, the one who came and died on the cross and rose again because that death on the cross was the only able payment for the sin of mankind. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, God required people to sacrifice animals as a gift to him as an acknowledgement that they had sinned. But it never actually fully restored people's lives and spirits. It just kind of covered it. Because right again at the beginning of the Bible, it says that when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal and he used the animal's skin to cover them. But a death penalty was required for sin. Jesus is called the Lamb of God who takes the sin of the world. He doesn't just cover it, he removes it. So that's the beginning of a disciple's journey, to follow after Jesus and pattern his life or her life after his. But it also means that we choose to put Jesus' teachings and his directions over and above our own will and desires. And so this means that discipleship is not a one-off thing. We don't do it once or twice. It's a lifestyle that moves us, and it must be lived each and every day. 
we spend our entire lives becoming more and more like Jesus. And I am so grateful where it says, uh, I believe it's in the book of Philippians, where it says that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it right up until the day Jesus returns. Such a great promise. Discipleship is about discovering, training, releasing the spiritual gifts, the call that God has placed within us and on us. And it's about helping others do the same while we are still on the journey. So we actually do this together. So, if God has made us on purpose for a purpose, and He has, and if He is calling us to go into all the world, and He is, and if He's calling us to be salt and light and to make disciples, which He has, here are four questions. How do I grow in my relationship with God? How do I discover my purpose? Where do I grow this purpose? And where do I get this discipling? Answer? In the church. No other, no other group in the world is going to be able to point you to Jesus. Only the church. The church, capital T, capital C. Not just here, but the church. The foundation principle of this is actually established right at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 says this. Oh, do you want to go back one slide to get a photo? Who missed that? Okay. And God said... Let the land... Pro I'll send you my notes, honey. <laughs> and God said, Genesis 1.24, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. Genesis 5 verse 3 says this, When Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him. In his very image, and he named his son Seth. Hang on a minute. In his very image. I think if you go back even closer to the beginning of the Bible, it says that God made us in his image. We are called and required by God to reproduce of our own. And you know what? This biblical principle actually works whether you are a believer or not. Because it's a biblical principle for life. It's not just a biblical principle for believers. It's actually for life. Every single one of us have within us the God-imprinted ability to reproduce of our own. And I'm not just talking about mums and dads and birds and bees. Okay? That's another sermon, which I'm putting off. <laughs> we, we reproduce who we are. We reproduce what we are. And, you know, the best, the best teacher in engineering is an engineer. The best teacher in surgery is a surgeon. The best teacher in accountant, who wants to be an accountant? Anyway, is an accountant. <laughs> you know, we reproduce who we are and what we are. And it's a God-given principle. And God requires us as believers to reproduce who we are. God has uniquely wired each of us to serve in an area where he can most naturally use the gifts and the talents that he's given us so our passions can grow and develop, but also be outworked in serving and discipling others. You know what? You don't have to start a non-profit. You don't even have to start a movement. You don't even have to start. All you have to do is look for areas where God is already at work around you. And there is no better and no safer place than right here at the church. You know, I, I, I want to be a little bit bolder and put something else out there. If there is one community 
that produces the best speakers, the best musicians, the best leaders, the best volunteer coordinators, the best caterers, the best cleaners, the best town tech people. It's the church. Who keeps winning American Idol? Worship leaders from churches. If we believe the scriptures, I sincerely hope you do. If we, we believe the scriptures, then we believe that God actually gives people spiritual gifts. And using those spiritual gifts is key to our development as Christians. Serving in the church is where we can grow our God-given t- gifts and fuel our potential so that we can. You know, I, I'm sure there's some school teachers that will go hallelujah when they realize that at year 13, the kids that they've been teaching will actually eventually leave. <laughs> And go on and do even greater things than these. Hang on a minute. I think Jesus said that. You see, whilst we grow and serve in church, and that needs to continue because faith must be generational, so there's always someone new to disciple. Eventually, at some point, we have to take what God has given us outside of these walls. When you think about those three steps, God calls us to him personally. He calls us to go out into the world. He calls us to make disciples. In the purpose of making disciples, we train people to know him personally so they can go into all the world to make disciples so that we can know him personally. See how amazing God's plans are? It's just phenomenal. So with that in mind... um, I'm not actually going to do all the talking this morning. I've actually asked some of my key ministry leaders to join me this morning. So come on, guys, if you want to come up and grab a stool. Um, And I've got some questions that we are going to... We're going to to have a little bit of... um, Well, not Oprah and not Dr. Phil. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. That's for Hillary to deal with. Um, But what we're going to do... In me asking these guys some of the questions I'm going to ask them, I want you guys to see what I hear when I talk to them about their respective ministries. And uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I got this one, bro. Got enough room there? Yeah, 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 create a bit of a, create a, bit of a half circle, guys. If I'd thought about this, I could have got Dr. Phil's armchair and I could have put it down there, but anyway... Uh, there we go. Sorry, Conrad, we're going to make you really work on the camera this morning, mate. And, and me asking these guys these questions this morning, perhaps as you hear them speak about their respective ministries, something will stir within you. As you came in this morning, you'll have seen tables all set up around the foyer. After church this morning, we've got, uh, we've got some morning tea and we're going to have what we call a dream team sign-ups. This is a dream team sign-up Sunday. Because the reality is that a body works when the body works. And our catchphrase for our dream team is uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the New, uh, new uh, Contemporary Version of the Bible says this. So brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him, which is the spiritual way for you to worship. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by the renew, by a new way of thinking, 
then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. See, as a pastor, I've encountered people so many times, like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Have you asked him? You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Okay, so we've got Steph, uh, who heads up our worship and creative team with her hubby Mark, who's at the back on the tech desk. You know, Suze and Amber and Sam and Bex, our youth pastors here. So here's the first question. We're just, this one's a real rapid fire. Uh, start with you, Sam. At what age did you start or get involved in serving in church and in any form of ministry? I was probably um, five or six and I started trying to help stack the chairs at church. <laughs> but actually, I remember I was about 11 and I joined the worship team. I didn't know how to play an instrument. I didn't have any passion in that area. But I was, Suze, actually, you helped me join the worship team years ago. Yeah, I was, I was the little computer guy. There was a computer down on the right-hand side, yeah, yeah. and I was 11 or so, and um, I, I wasn't into worship yet, but that, that was the beginning, yeah, living years old. Hmm. Um, I was about eight when I joined the worship team um, at another church, but yeah, um, eight years old, but the first time I held a microphone and led worship on stage, I was three, and I was here with the children's ministry. <laughs> wow, Amber. This is, I don't, yeah, did you know what I'm saying? Um, so I... I uh, was probably about 14, so I went to youth group when I was 12 and got saved, and then I was, um, yeah, just in the youth group and stuff, and I was asked to help in kids' church, actually, and I can remember a kid swore, and he got really badly told off, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, probably about 14, and, and yeah, just went from there, really. Um, I would have been about 15, or maybe a little bit younger. I started helping in creche, um, and then I started helping in kids' church. Um, uh, Brenda Ponder's not here today. She was one of my first little kids when she was about five, I think, that I used to teach at Sunday school. So that's where I started. Um, I grew up in a church where kids helped lead the services every month. And so from the age of five, I was doing something. But I actually joined the music team at the age of 10. Wow. I got kicked out of Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first one. You were, you were expelled from Sunday school. Oh, my. <laughs> you, you guys can swing, swing along a little bit. I did have a shower this morning. So, so, um, in, so you, can, you can see that every one of these guys started really, really early. Um, I, started, uh, I started running a, a kids club when I was 11. Uh, and I started worship leading when I was 15. Um, and uh, it was as simple as this. My family were involved in planting a church, and I played the piano, and Dad said, you're it. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean I'm it? He goes, you're leading the worship. And I was like, great. <laughs> my favorite thing. And it has become my favorite thing. Anyway, so in that, here's a question. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to specifically pick on anyone, but jump in. Um, how did it help disciple you? The, uh, starting, uh, I guess, even from the age that you started, and growing in your relationship with Jesus, um, and how would you recommend, is there something that you would re recommend, like starting early, where would you start, uh, and how would you start? Well, right from the time being down on the little computer, um, I, was, I was responsible for making the words go at a certain time, and there was a Sunday that I was very distracted, and um, Suze, once again, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> Suze came up and talked to me about the importance of the words being on time, and how everyone who was looking for um, the opportunity to connect with Jesus, they, they didn't know the words. And me being on time and taking it with, um, with purpose 
actually unlock something for everyone else in the room. And um, that, that was the start of me understanding how important it is to, to serve others and how it's so much greater than just my, my journey or what I was doing on the computer at the time, falling asleep. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't scare you off. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that was good. It was the why, you know. You showed me the why. And um, learning that from a young age is good. So, Amber, I am going to pick on you here because um, <laughs> if there's something that, that we here at Elam are passionate about <laughs> is that no generation has missed out. And uh, we want to see kids grow personally in their love and knowledge of Jesus Christ from as early as possible. So um, you started in Kids Work Early. How did that help you grow in your faith? I think it helps you grow in your faith because, uh, you know, when you're a teenager, you're not overly certain necessarily about the things that you're good at. Uh, but by uh, getting the opportunity by someone saying, hey, come and do this with me, that they believe in you. And so that's the... That's a starting point in you believing that you could do it, but someone else believing in you. And I think, too, when you're younger and you're a little bit more uncertain, it does cause you to then rely on God more. You're like, uh, I, I mean, actually, to be honest, I still pray this prayer. I don't really know what I'm doing, God. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> and, like, every year of my life, parenting, work, everything. But, uh, you know, like, when, you, when you're put in a position where you're not sure that you really have what it takes, it causes you to grow your faith because you've got to trust that God will be there for you. You'll step out and, he, and he'll, he'll walk mm. with you. I love that. And, and that's been my story all the way through and still is. But the other thing I just thought of too is that um, when I got involved in kids' work as a youngster, um, part of my growth was learning that that's not where I want to be forever. You know, so like I gave something a try... <laughs> Not that we encourage that. No, no. <laughs> but what I'm saying is sometimes we can sit there, I don't know my purpose, so I'm not going to get off my butt and do anything because I don't know my purpose, but just go and give something a go and you'll either figure out if that's what sparks you. Like I joined the worship team when I was 22 and I've not left it. I found my place that I just love being and I'm never ever going to leave. Like when I'm 90, I'm going to be up here rocking away and you're Come just going to put up with it because I love it. <laughs> but kids were, you know, Mason within a Zimmer few Frank. years, I knew that, yeah, this is not me, but I gave it a go. And, I, you know, I think anything, just if you don't know, just give something a go. If that's not it, try something else, give something a go. Yeah. 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 I served in a ministry in America and he used to have the pastor there used to say the need is the call so sometimes we don't like what Sue's saying you don't always know what, what you're supposed to do but if there's something that needs to be done then the need is the call so we do that and then yeah. God leads us to where we're supposed to yeah. yep. supposed to be yeah when I uh, first talked to uh, when I was based up in Hobsonville up in Auckland and it first became really clear to me that God had called me to do what I'm doing now uh, this is what he said well if you're going to be a preacher go to Sunday school <laughs> And, uh, and then he said this, he said, if you can hold a kid's attention for 20 minutes, you can hold an adult's attention for an hour. And um, I tell you what, it was a baptism of fire. <laughs> but we got there. We Any got... preachers out there? <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, well, actually, you've kind of really kind of, dis uh, the next question I had was, did, you, did you, you discover your purpose or did you find that you changed where you were serving to discover your gifts and purpose? Um, uh, Sam and Bex, you guys have been involved a lot in the worship ministry, uh, and now you're our youth pastors. Perhaps maybe you want to speak into that a little bit. 
about that, how it changed or whether it changed? I'll go first. So I grew up in high school playing music and, you know, it started here, but later on in high school I was playing multiple instruments. It was my passion. I worship, worship, worship. In fact, I went and started serving at a church doing worship ministry. And um, I arrived at this church and they needed kids leaders. And uh, I felt like I'd been stitched up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I came to do worship at this church, God. Why am I doing kids ministry? Anyway, I started to do kids ministry with a really bad attitude. Um, but very, 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 very quickly, God brought to life something in me that I was passionate about children. And um, suddenly, going from begrudgingly turning up to this kids' ministry to it being the best part of my day. Um, and that carries on to today. I was out in kids' ministry leading a song and sweating it out. Um, <laughs> and in fact, about two years ago, I wasn't very keen to get involved with youth at all. And it's funny here I am, that God has more purpose than what I felt like I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and I love youth ministry. So um, sometimes by actually stepping out and doing what God's calling you to do, yep. you actually find that there is purpose and there's life there that you wouldn't have had just based on feelings beforehand. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm a bit of the same. I've always been involved in worship ministry and that's kind of been my comfort zone. You know, I, I love music. Um, and everything. So if you'd asked me a few years ago to get involved with youth, I would have said, <laughs> no way, <laughs> like not doing that. And it's funny how sometimes God just edges you in slowly. So I think two years ago now, almost two years. Oh, wow. That's weird. Or maybe a year ago. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Um, God put this um, dream on my heart to start a small group for some of the older girls. And I was like, oh, well, I can do that. You know, the older girls are cool and they're not too crazy. And um, <laughs> I'll do that. And then, um, and so I just got comfortable with that idea when we restructured our, the way we run Oxygen. And Tom was like, we're going to do small groups. And suddenly here I was like, deep plunge in the middle of youth ministry, but I love it. And um, I think if God hadn't started preparing my heart in a small way, um, yeah. I wouldn't have been ready for the big part of ministry. So you don't have to sign up and be like head first, full in. You can take little steps. That's okay as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Steph, I want to direct this one to you. Um, as a leader of a ministry, as you watch your team members serve and get involved, um, what, what's, what's some of the growth that you've seen in your team and what really, as a ministry leader in that whole discipleship process, what just lights your fire with what you've seen? Okay, so growth. Um, I've seen lots of growth in our team over the last year. Um, there's like, I've seen growth and trust, particularly in the tech team, um, We've got four guys who have just really come together from having different ideas and have built this relationship of trust and are just solving problems in the most amazing way. They're the best problem-solving team. Um, and they've got vision. They've, they're just excited about what they want to do. Um, I've seen a whole lot of training going on um, with our tech people and and particularly my husband Mark imparting his knowledge to others. So he's, he's discipling on the tech, that's for sure. <laughs> and it's just, it's exciting because I'm seeing particularly our sound guys getting really excited about their skills and what they're able to produce now. Um, I've, seen, I've seen Lawrence just bloom as a guitarist. Um, Elliot on the drums. Um, you know, others in their singing and 
Yeah, I love the way that the music team all uh, cheers each other on when somebody does something, steps out for the first time and does something new or something a little bit tricky. I mean, Sue's on the bass, man. This girl has grown so much in the last few months. It's been incredible. Yeah, so I'm loving seeing that. Um, But one of the things that really lights my fire is actually seeing my team pray for each other when we do devotions. That just, I don't know, I get motherly pride. (laughs) I do, I get really motherly pride watching the team love on each other and um, just pray for each other. And I'm loving that we're building community in our team. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to to note something here, guys. Um, None of these guys, as they've spoken about this whole discipleship journey, none of them's talked about a Bachelor of Theology. None of them's talked about having to do the seven depths of the book of Exodus linked up with Leviticus and drowned in the book of Numbers. You know, <laughs> Actually, discipleship is about growth within, with Jesus, with the skills and the gifts and the talents that God has put within each and every one of us. And it's the outworking of that. Um, so uh, I'm going to just throw this out to the whole team, jump in. As, as you guys, as you've led your ministries, um, I'm guessing you two are probably going to dive into this really quickly. As you see this growth in individuals, uh, what God is growing and building, what future can you see for these individuals and for the church? Right, I'm diving right in. Um, <laughs> we have seen incredible growth with our youth leaders. Um, just same thing with the motherly pride, honestly, Steph. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like... You know, everyone's stepped up. And what has been so amazing is seeing the way our youth leaders like pray for each other, pray for our youth ministry. And that is passed down onto our teenagers. And we're seeing our teenagers pray for each other with faith. We're seeing them prophesy over each other, have words for each other. And it's just like, well, we're blown away every week. Um, and man, the future of the church, I mean, the teenagers are, well, they're the now of the church, but they're also the future leaders. They're the future Toms and Susas and Stephs and Ambers and all of you. And that's just, that's the future right there. Mm. The way that we interact with people now, the way that we show Jesus is building the future of the church and of the gospel and of getting, yeah, um, I could go on forever. I'll stop now, but you get what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do you want to talk about the a little bit about the dream that you have starting early? Like, a little bit about that. Yeah, a little <laughs> okay. bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that uh, you know we talk about like what Bex has said. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about you know the kids of the kids of the future of the church, the youth of the future of the church. Actually, kids and youth, babies. Uh, Lindsay and Ian have got a one-day-old baby. Uh, that baby is the church now, you know. Uh, yeah. Every every living person in the church is the church. We're not, you know, and but if we don't invest into the young of the church, then there will be no church in the future. And That's right. so uh, our um, something I'm working on is an 18-year plan. So if a kid is born into our church and then they head off to maybe university when they're 18, so they leave Blenheim and they head off to university, what? What journey do we want them to have gone on? What do we want them to know? What opportunities do we want them to have had? Uh, 
uh, what do we want them to learn at certain ages? You know, it, it's involved research of each age group, you know. So, at an, at, at, you know, they say uh, that at the age of eight, a girl's self-esteem begins to die. Most people probably think that's a little bit older, but it's eight. And so, at eight, what do we want to be teaching them that's going to, uh, build that security in who they are in God, not in what the world tells them to be. So like an 18-year plan, because actually if we don't invest right from the very beginning, in 20 years, what will the church have? You know, there is an alarming rate of... I was actually just reading articles last night, so it's very timely, but um, uh, there's, there's whole articles and studies on, on teenagers dropping out of church. And it, I read a statistic yesterday that uh, 59%, so I think it was three... Uh, Three out of five uh, teenagers will have disconnected from church by the time they're 15. So as a church for us, what are we going to do that changes that statistic? What are we going to do that has our 15-year-olds 100% engaged? It's mm-hmm. not okay that they just slowly pitter out, go off to university, and church is no longer important to them. What, what are we as a church going to do? And so that's what I think. The, f- the future starts with the, with the now. We see all this hope for the future that our kids will go off to university, that they will be... Uh, strong, faithful, committed Christians that they will go into their workplaces, into the universities, that they will, we will share them with other churches and they will go into other churches and they will lead ministries and they will flourish because the church is about the, the whole church, not about our church. And, and, and what are we doing? That's, so that happens, starts in the now. Yeah. I saw a, uh, a terrifying uh, post recently on, on Facebook and it said this, And it was speaking to mums and dads and to adults. It said this, if church is optional to you, it will become irrelevant to your children. And so let's let's get a little bit deeper. If God is optional to you, God will become irrelevant to our children. And discipleship starts at home. It starts with as simple as our kids seeing that God is important to me. It starts with our kids seeing their dad completely blow it, ask their forgiveness, and then sit down and pray with them and biblically reconcile together. It's, it's, it's with kids seeing husbands and wives work through the good and the bad and the fun and the ugly, but still keeping Jesus at the center. That all starts at home. And God cannot be optional in this journey. You know, he's not a textbook that we pull out every time we've got a question that we need answered. He's, he's, he's a, a, a life journey partner. I guess this kind of leads in, I'll just throw it again to the whole team. You know, in every situation, the why is super important. The why is massive in anything we do. So um, what is the why that has become so real and so relevant for your ministry? I'll jump in first. Okay. <laughs> we were kind of talking about this at our devotions this week. Um, so we, I think we came out with three things in our discussion, and that was, first of all, it's such a privilege to bring our gifts and talents and use them to worship God. It's just such a privilege to be able to serve him that way. Um, but secondly, the songs that we sing really preach truth to us, and they help us to experience our position in Christ. So they... Um, they preach to our thoughts and our emotions and they, they help us to think in the right way. And, and um, thirdly, um, if just one person comes to know how much the Father loves them and that they need Jesus as a saviour from what we do from the stage or from what we stream into their homes, it's all worth it. 
Come on. All worth it. And our Come prayer on. is that happens every week. Yeah. 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 Come on. So I oversee Connect Groups, and the big why, the big why for me with Connect Groups is that as we grow, there's no way that we can actually get to know each other on a deeper level on a Sunday. It's just impossible. <laughs> you know what it's like out in the foyer after church, you know, there's people everywhere. Um, you might have maybe one or two meaningful conversations in your time here, um, but I just love watching connect groups as they, um, they gather every week or every fortnight or every month, whatever it is that the group does, um, growing a relationship with one another, growing stronger in God, and I just think, yeah, I, I want to see more. I worry, and I know I shouldn't worry, but I do, because I'm human. I'm watching these move, moves of God happening around the world right now, and I think, what would happen, what would happen if next Sunday our doors were just flooded with people coming in to know Jesus? We don't have enough connect groups to get them into. Mm. And the biggest reason that I, that I hear when I'm trying to get more connect groups going is that people don't think they've got what it takes. People disqualify themselves. We all do it, don't we? We disqualify ourselves. And if there's one thing for me constantly through, whether it's been leading a group or on the worship team or whatever it's pastoring, I mean, that's a big one, far out, didn't want that one, um, <laughs> was learning just to go yes and not, not trust on what I think I have or haven't got, but actually learning that God comes through. When I say my yes, God goes, great, that's all I need. It's yeah. all I need from you is your yes, let me do the rest. And man, he has come through for me time and time again. Situation comes up, well, I don't know how to do that, but he does. Yeah. And so, you know, my ask today for whatever area it is that you might consider getting involved in, don't, don't, don't say no out of thinking you don't have what it takes. You know, come and talk to someone. Let God grow you. You won't yep. grow unless you actually step out. And so, yeah, for me, the why is actually having those foundational things in place so that when the church grows, when people come in, whether it's strong kids ministry, strong youth ministry, worship, connect groups, you know, you might not be able to give a, a night a week. You know, you might be too busy for that. But I think about what Bernadette, Bernadette, where yep. are you? Bernadette oversees our hospitality team. And people are rostered on monthly. It might be just standing on the door once a month, making someone's day with this massive smile when they come in, mm. being the first person that they bump into here. And that might be that one reason why they come back next week, because they've met this beautiful, friendly person on the door that was so pleased to see them. It's that simple. That simple. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sitting there contemplating, what is my why? And I just feel like I have so many that I was like trying to articulate it in a, in a brief way. Um, one why, no spaghetti. One, one why, no spaghetti. <laughs> You're asking a lot. You, know. you realise one why from Amber is a sign and a wonder and a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Amber. No, I've got two. I'm, I'm giving you two. Uh, so mine is, uh, mine is uh, people. You know, I think that... Uh, when uh, there's a quote that says, you know, when people feel known by, by people might not feel known, oh, I don't know what it is exactly, but basically, like, some people will never feel known by God until they're known by someone who knows God, yeah. and yeah. so when we, when we know people, when we see people grow, when we have, like, our kids' ministry is l literally led by teenagers and a, a sprinkling of adults, and so when, when they grow, you know, uh, they, they grow closer to God with what they do. And then also uh, 
you know, I read, I read the book Crazy Love uh, a year or so ago, and I was just overcome by it. It's, it's all for his glory, you know, like we, we live, we breathe, we move, we, we do everything that we do for his glory, not our glory, not everybody else's glory, but to honor him, to mm. worship him. And, and this is, you know, for me, this is what he's calling me to do. I, I really tried to avoid it, I'm going to be honest. When I moved here, I tried to avoid going back into ministry. I did. <laughs> it's a whole other story. But, but for his glory, this is what God has asked me to do for his glory. Now, he's not asked everybody to do this, but he's asked, this is what he's asked me to do. And it's about finding what he's asked you to do for his glory. Yeah, so good. Uh, I think for me, the why is the things that our youth leaders and I see and, and we see. I see, um, I, see I, I see this picture all the time of a young person, a teenager, praying for healing for another teenager in this corner. And I know I'm going to see it one day. I see 100 youth in our um, program this year at some point. I see um, in 10 years, I see a youth worship team still here based off what's happening today. And um, these things that I see, they drive me. And I, I know that our youth leaders see things, and it drives them. And it's the why. And, you know, I just want to echo what Steph said at the start. Every single extra person that comes to our kids program, that comes to our youth program, is another person in heaven. And that is an even greater why than anything we could ever look to on earth. And I just, I just want to encourage you, um, it, for example, with our youth leaders, we've been talking a lot about um, starting as a kid. <laughs> um, there is no time that's too late to start serving God and working in the purposes of God. If you're 80 Amen. or 8, it's time. And, uh, you know, I just want to honor, I don't know if Pam's here, I can't see her, I'm trying to look around. Anyway, Pam is uh, the director of NMI, oh, she's on Christ, she's, she's serving. Come on, Pam. Um, Pam is the director of NMIT here in Blenheim. She is busy, she works hard, but she is praying fervently for our youth. Every week, we send her prayer requests, and she's praying for our youth. That's her way to serve. And we can tell when she's praying. We'll be like, I'm, I just really feel like there's a, there's a, there's a power with us today. There's a, there's a strength with us. And Pam says, this is what I've been praying for. I've been praying for strength today for you and your leaders. You know, Come on. Um, No matter who you are or what gifts you have, there might not be the prerequisite available to you to join Steph's team on the uh, guitar. <laughs> But there's ways you can serve God and his purposes um, in this church. It's time. It's time. It's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. In actual fact, there's a really, really good example of that. Uh, if you hadn't caught up, Steph is actually doing the Elam Leadership College uh, internship this year. So she's an intern on our, on our team. But actually, I hope this sounds okay, but Steph, you're not the oldest intern, are you? How old's the oldest intern? 82. <laughs> it's and exactly, and I, and I point that out to just double down on what Sam said. It's never too late. It's never too late to say yes to God. And um, I look, you know, guys, our time is gone. Um, and I, I kind of hope that maybe in a small way you've caught, you, you've, you've seen what, you, what I hear and you've heard what I see when I sit and talk with these guys. We've got so many amazing ministry leaders, as Susan said, Bernadette heads up our hospitality. Thank you, Bernadette. Um, Hillary, down the back, heads up our Wellspring Ministries, which actually so significantly life open purpose out into our community with different courses. And I know, Hillary, you're always keen for new facilitators, aren't you? And, uh, and she will literally train you as a facilitator. And, and so um, there's another thing that I, I want to kind of put out there this morning. Um, later this year, uh, Suze and I will be taking a sabbatical. 
so the second half of July and the whole of August, we will be away um, uh, recharging, getting some input for ourselves for the next season. And so for seven weeks, uh, Amber is going to be at the helm as our associate pastor. She's literally going to be running the church. And so for that, her workload will, will lift significantly. And so she's going to need a team to be able to come in under her leadership and under her mentorship for the children, not just for seven weeks, but so that she can be fully released. That 18-year that, that discipleship plan that she's telling you about, we've talked about that a little bit, that's going to need time for her to build and grow and, and shape. And so we want to see leaders come in under, underneath Amber and the children's ministry. Um, Sam and Rebecca have got a dream. They've got 100 kids, but to do 100 kids, they're also dreaming for 24 leaders. Um, you know, there's, there's places where you can just start. And it's not, you don't need to take a flying leap off a ledge. Baby steps. You know, I uh, just want to double down very quickly on what Sue said. You know, the only ability that God needs is our availability. That's all he needs. So um, this morning, as we wrap up, four very quick things. How do, we, how do we take these simple steps? Number one, open your heart and mind to God. Let him cult- cultivate an awareness within yourself. Create space for God in your day. At work, at home, whatever, just create space. And every now and then, just pause and tune in again. Thirdly, seek to understand his power that's inside you. Ask him to explain it. Ask him to show you. And then lastly, let the Lord be your motivation. Every time, as has been said, it's for his glory. It's for his glory. I want to read a scripture of you as, as a blessing as we close out our service this morning. Ephesians 1, verses 18 through 20. I pray for you that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he has called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Folks, this morning, if I can leave you with one last implore, imploring imploration, encouragement, choose to say yes to God. Choose to say yes to God. Your life will never be the same again.